It's a special midweek slash late week edition of the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Earlier this week, in fact on Monday, we recorded an episode discussing who OU might hire as their new offensive coordinator since Jeff Levy took the head coaching job at Mississippi State. Well, now we know who OU's offensive coordinators will be. So we will discuss Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, tell you which one's going to be calling plays. Also, I'll tell you what I like about the hires, and I'll tell you about a former OU player I talked to who actually wasn't crazy about the hires at all. So we'll get into that. Plus, we've got our first glimpse at how OU's 2024 schedule is going to look. The SEC is going to do a full reveal later on this month, but we do have some key dates that you can mark on your calendar. Before we go any further, please do me a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write a written review. The five-star rating helps us elevate our content. The written review tells us what kind of content you want more of. Take a screenshot of both of those. Send them to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and Pete will gladly send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. Okay, so the OU offensive coordinator search is over. On Wednesday, Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley were named co-offensive coordinators by Brent Venables. And at this point, I don't know any OU fans that aren't happy with this decision. I think what what's interesting, funny, coincident, I mean, I don't know what the exact word is to use here, but when these searches start, I always expect there to be a name that comes out of left field. Somebody that that you didn't hear somebody's name you didn't either read online or in the media, somebody's name that didn't pop up on either sports talk radio or via a podcast that all of a sudden found their way into the mix, but that didn't happen. Um, It actually didn't happen. when I can remember now back when Alex Grinch got hired. It was him and Pete Golding were the only two names mentioned when OU decided that they were going to make a change at defensive coordinator after Mike Stoops, and hey, it was Alex Grinch, so really kind of falls along along those lines. The elevation of Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, honestly, if you want me to give a thumbs up or a thumbs down, I can't do either one of those. Um, I, I think, I guess the positive of this is, and I would lean more towards thumbs up than thumbs down, the biggest positive is, is that Joe John Finley served as an analyst for o, or, or not Joe John Finley, but Seth Luttrell. Seth Luttrell served as an analyst for OU, and Joe John Finley was your tight ends coach. So there's familiarity there. And as far as changing, you know, terminology, changing what you're doing with any particular players, these guys are familiar with the players. The terminology doesn't have to change. It's a smooth transition, and that I like. That and I don't just like that, I love that. Because the worst thing I think coaches can do is when you hire a new offensive coordinator, especially these guys that run the air raid, the spread, whatever you want to call it, is everybody comes in all gung-ho. Everybody's got their own terminology. Everybody's got their own way of doing things. And a lot of these guys seemingly want to put their stamp on a program. And when you do that, you're forcing kids to relearn things they already know. It's like, oh, well, we used to call this that, and now we're calling it this, and things have a tendency to maybe not not develop as fast as they could in the spring, and sometimes that carries over to the fall. You're not going to have this problem with Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley. In a sense, it's kind of plug and play, and obviously there's going to be new wrinkles, 
but nothing so dramatic that these kids shouldn't be able to pick up on it pretty quick or pretty quickly. So that I absolutely love about the hire. The other thing I like about Seth Luttrell getting this job is, one, this is a guy that has more than paid his dues. Not only a former player at OU, but he's a guy that is a Mike Leach disciple. He's worked with Mike Leach and and Hal Mummy, or at least he, you know, Hal Mummy would come up to uh, Tech or come up to Lubbock, and he and Mike Leach would break down films. Seth Luttrell would join would join them. He's been an OC at several places before taking over as a head coach down at North Texas, and he did a good job at North Texas which is not the easiest place in the world to win. You would think that a place like North Texas, you'd actually have access to talent, and you do, but you're fighting every other school in the state of Texas form. And what makes Denton more attractive than going to someplace like San Antonio and certainly places like Fort Worth, Dallas, Lubbock, you know, Waco, Houston, all those other places. And I thought he did a hell of a job, didn't deserve to be fired, and not only did he land on his feet at OU, but now he's put himself in position with this job, whereas we've seen with Jeff Levy and in the past, if you are successful, you're going to have an opportunity to be a head coach again because that's what OU offensive coordinators do. Heck, Mike Leach, even a defensive coordinator, come to OU, be successful. Somebody will want a part of that. Seth Luttrell then can move on to be an offensive coordinator. And depending on what happens with Joe John Finley, Joe John Finley might be able to be to plug and play in that role if Brent Venables is still here. And heck, who knows? Joe John Finley may find himself in a head coaching role, even though he's the co-coordinator. Now, we know that Luttrell is going to call the plays, and it's going to be pretty much – and I sometimes I don't like using this word, but the fact of the matter is it's going to be Seth Luttrell's offense. So he is firmly in control of this, and he's going to coach the quarterback's which is another good thing about this because I do like it when offensive coordinators coach the quarterbacks. You've got a situation at Oklahoma State, and it hadn't worked out too bad at OSU, but you've got Casey Dunn, who's a receivers coach. And then you've got Tim Rattay, who's the quarterbacks coach. It's always easier for the OC to be the quarterbacks coach because that's the guy that they're communicating with more often. And it's much easier for the offensive coordinator who is the quarterback to- coach to tell his quarterback what he wants him to do versus a receiver's coach come in and say, nah, I want you to do this, and then all of a sudden maybe you have issues with the quarterback's coach. Now, that hadn't happened at Oklahoma State, but I think you see how that could happen. The other thing I like about Latrell is that he's got a relationship with Bill Bedenboe from their time at Tech and their time at Arizona, so that makes things. I mean, there's just familiarity. And I did talk to one former OU football player today who wasn't all that thrilled with the hire, not near as thrilled as I was with it. And what he said was he felt like it was a good old boys network. And the one thing, yes, he mentioned the familiarity, but he said the one thing you never know is that there could be a better guy out out at South Dakota State. And OU being a blue blood program, he also likes the idea of OU going and stealing guys from Georgia and Alabama and Texas or, or wherever because he feels like OU should be that very desired job for any assistant to get. And I don't disagree with him on that, and I would imagine you wouldn't either, but you have to do what's best for the program. 
You know, stealing the, the bright, shiny object doesn't always work out. Now, this guy was high on Bobby Petrino, and Bobby Petrino just got hired at Arkansas, but that is a desperation hire. OU's not desperate. The offense was good last year. And the biggest thing, the biggest mistake you can make in any program is to screw with your continuity. And you see it time and time again with, with athletic directors trying to you know figure out, all right, well, I need to fire this guy and bring this guy in because we didn't win as many games as we thought we would this year. And you have no chance. You have no chance to build a program when you screw with continuity. And sometimes it is good to get fresh ideas. I mean, Bob Stoops knew when to go outside of the program and bring guys in, but Bob Stoops had a keen, keen sense of timing. And now I get get the feeling with Brent Venables, as OU gets ready to go into the SEC, and Brent Venables learning from the guys that he did, Snyder, Stoops, Sweeney, three S's, the triple S as we like to call them, is that, yeah, maybe the time he wasn't right to go outside the program. And if you just, if you trust the guy, you trust the guys you're hiring, which is huge. You know that these guys aren't going to stab you in the back. These guys are going to do what you ask them to do because you're the head coach. Well, that's priceless. And I will be interested to see, if I've already said this before, I'm sorry for repeating that, I will be interested to see is just what exactly they have Joe John Finley doing other than working with receivers, what responsibilities does Seth Luttrell give him? You know what? What are because uh, it's it's a quote unquote elevated role. Well, what does that elevate elevated role mean? And we can ask Brent Venables, we can ask Seth Luttrell. Hell, we can ask Joe John Finley. But will they actually get into specifics on that? Maybe they will, and maybe we'll learn a little bit more about this role. But don't ever think for a moment that this is play calling by committee or this is offense by committee. No, Seth Luttrell's in charge, and that's the way that it needs to be. Not because he's the most, the more experienced of the two and has been around and certainly has the pedigree to back it up, but because you need one voice in the room. Once you get more than one voice in the room, you just have a tendency to have things get screwed up, and Brent Venables doesn't want to see that happen. But I like this. And Jackson Arnold so far has been positive about it. His father's been positive about it. And it's funny. Um, we always discuss this on my show about kids leaving via the transfer portal. And I always like to tell I always like to tell fans, remember, they're kids between the ages of 18 and 24. Okay, brains still developing, emotions sometimes very much out of whack. Just when you think things are good, all of a sudden something happens to, to, to force a kid to, to do something you didn't think he would do. I'm not saying Jackson Arnold would leave. I've never said that. If he did leave, it wouldn't surprise me. Not because I think Jackson Arnold hates OU or is unhappy here, but because he's an 18, 19-year-old kid. And when you've only got five years to play four, kids want to play. So if something strange happened, and either he didn't get along with Seth Luttrell or Dylan Gabriel came back and beat him out for that number one spot, then yeah, I could see that happening. But that's just more a product of college football than it is anything about Jackson Arnold. And again, not saying it's going to happen, but I always I always look to a couple of times a year now in college football. One, after the season when the transfer portal opens up, and two, after spring. And it always seems like there are more surprises in spring 
than there are after fall or in, in fall, late fall, early winter to go into that transfer portal. Jackson Arnold probably not going to be one of them, but who knows? Who knows who jumps into the portal after spring? I, I like the receiving core that he's got to work with, the quarterback he's got to work with, and ultimately if you've got players, you're going to be successful. So Seth Luttrell, congratulations. You're the new OC at OU. You've got a co-C in Joe John Finley, and do your best to develop him because I bet that guy's got got – you know, I, I bet that that he himself has expectations and aspirations that he would like to someday be an offensive coordinator, not just in name only, but also be a head coach as well. And I think it's part of your job as a coach to groom those guys and get them ready for that next step. The uh, full SEC schedule is going to come out a little bit later on, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Could be this month, December, or next month. If you're listening to this still in November, and a couple of key dates to circle for Oklahoma fans. One, September 21st, as jo- Josh Heupel brings his Tennessee volunteers to Norman. Not like we haven't seen that before, but hey, Tennessee always travels well. It's a fun game. Tennessee's been pretty good over the last couple of years. That one is going to be, I, I, I OU's going to be very amped for that one because that's OU's first game as a full-fledged member of the SEC. So I expect OU fans to to show up and have their game face on. I have no idea what time that's kicking off. It doesn't say here in ESPN. I'm hoping that's a night game for Oklahoma. Give you a chance to get good and lubricated and welcome the balls to Norman. Then you've got November 23rd as Alabama comes to Norman. Yay! <laughs> Are we? Can we get if when Alabama comes to Norman? Can we get the Alabama that played Texas? Maybe even the Alabama that had to pull out a miracle to Auburn. I'd like not to get the Alabama team that actually looked like they had their act together. Uh, but that's the week before Thanksgiving, which leads me to this. Okay, who is OU going to play on that Thanksgiving weekend? Well, I can't think it'll be Maine. Maine will figure in to be a sandwich game somewhere. Most likely, it's going to be LSU. The reason it's probably going to be LSU is because Missouri is also on Oklahoma's schedule. The SEC has convinced itself that Missouri and Arkansas are a rival. And they are doing everything they can to get people in Arkansas. I don't know how Missouri fans feel about it, but they're doing everything they can to get Arkansas fans to accept the fact that it is a rivalry. And one of the best ways to do that is to force these two teams to play on Thanksgiving Day weekend because that's what? That's rivalry week. So if you play on rivalry week, it must, in fact, be a rivalry. Eh, Not so much. But I have to think right now that Missouri will be that team, which means OU will finish up the year in Baton Rouge. What will be interesting to see is if OU and if OU and LSU play on that Saturday or OU and LSU play on that Friday, talk to another, uh, talk to a reporter who's very embedded with OU. And Joe Castiglione had been wanting to play a Black Friday game for a long time and finally got his wish this year when OU got the opportunity to play TCU. Oklahoma State was never thrilled about that idea. Not really sure why Oklahoma State wasn't thrilled about playing on Black Friday. Other than the fact, I guess when they hosted OU, they didn't think they could get enough turnout at Boone Pickens and would need an extra day for fans to either come back from 
you know, visiting family or whatever, or if that's just something that never appealed for them, they thought Bedlam would get lost in the, you know, lost amongst all the other rivalries. But that's something Joe Castiglione wanted. And you get the feeling that if Joe C wants to play on Black Friday, that LSU is going to be a more willing partner than Oklahoma State would. Now, here's what's what gets really tricky about all this is I don't think you're going to be able to establish an OU-LSU rivalry. Because when the SEC does go to nine conference games, and we'll not say, I won't say when, I won't say if, I'm going to say when. That's going to happen. The SEC will eventually go to nine conference games. OU's three permanent opponents, and this is just best guess for me, will be Texas. One will be Missouri. I would think, and then maybe Arkansas <laughs> might 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 be your third. Texas for sure. I Texas and Missouri, I, I have no doubt that those are going to be two of OU's permanent opponents when that happens. Okay, who the third is going to be, I don't think it's going to be AM because I think AM's three opponents are going to end up being are going to end up being Arkansas. LSU and Texas, and I think Arkansas's three opponents will be Ole Miss, LSU, and you know, God help them, God love them. It'll probably be Missouri. So I think in some sort of combination there, OU's going to get Missouri, Texas, maybe Mississippi State. I don't know, but if you get Missouri, you could play that game every year on Black Friday. You could play that game every year over the Thanksgiving Day weekend. And OU Missouri might be a fun little thing. Um, look, I'm not I'm not one that that believes in forcing rivalries. I believe that they've got to grow organically. But here are two teams that have some big time history together. Um, they've played in conference championships against each other when they were both in the Big Twelve. They've got a long history with the Big Eight. Uh, you could <laughs> my my joke was you could dust off the dust off one of the old Big Eight champion <laughs> trophies that OU has. Maybe not even refurbish it. Refurbish it just a bit, but keep it kind of tarnished and have both these teams play for the trophy. Uh, that might be kind of fun. Or you could develop a brand-new trophy because, hey, somebody's going to want the money to do it. But Oklahoma, Missouri, every year over Thanksgiving Day weekend, I'm down for it. Totally down for it. Does it have the same ring as Bedlam? No. But, again, it's two teams, two fan bases that know each other, and Columbia's not a Columbia's not the worst trip in the world to make. Not not the worst trip in the world at all. But uh, there are some more exciting dates coming up for OU on that SEC schedule. Obviously, there's a trip to Ole Miss coming up a little bit later on. Um, the OU-Texas game. I was looking to see if the OU-Texas game had been set yet. No, OU-Texas has yet to be set, but I don't think they're going to screw with that too much. I would count on that being the second uh, second week in October, first weekend in October. Uh, one of those two. But, hey, exciting times are right around the corner. I mean, just think about it. A year from now, we're going to be talking about OU's first season as a member of the Southeastern Conference. Pretty freaking cool. All right, thanks for hanging with me twice this week. If you listen twice this week, thank you. Please don't forget, um, give us a five-star rating, write a written review, take a screenshot of both, send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and uh, Pete will uh, give you that Heartland College Sports koozie uh, which is perfect, per- perfect, perfect for that family holiday get together. Show everybody your taste in podcast, as well as where you get your sports information. So make sure you get all that taking. So make sure you do that. 
We're out of here. I want to say God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.